0: How many are looking forward to heaven someday? That's kind of a trick question sometimes. But it's not a, it's not a, it's not a trick. It's not, a, not meant to be. Um, that's our hope. And um, titling the message, It Will Be Worth It All. You See, we're not, the heav- we're not in heaven yet, are we? Obviously. Well, there's a lot of stuff in the world that's just absolutely crazy. And um, we live in a fallen world, right? We know that. The scriptures declares that. that Sin has entered into the uh, humankind. God's first initial, his his motive was for us to live with him forever. To dwell with him in the garden. He had it all set up. You know what happened. We fell into the, Temptation, fell into sin. Romans is our text. Romans chapter eight, verse eighteen, beginning there. Paul is describing the struggle throughout the book of Romans. The struggle is begin. It's against the flesh and the spirit. It's kind of like this tug of war. It's kind of like this. He's chapter seven. He said, "I know what's right to do, but I find myself struggling to get there." He just confesses that he needs. He confesses that he is a wretched man. That's pretty that's pretty, um, that's pretty. bold. That's pretty strong. A wretched man. You see, without Jesus, we are all wretched. We're, we're without ability to save ourselves. We're without ability to be what God has called us to be. But with Jesus, you are able to be what he has called you to be. And the battle is taking place even now as the Bible describes there are spiritual warfare that is taking place in the heavenlies that is combating for, for the souls of men and women. And to hinder the work of God but Jesus has more than them. As the Old Testament prophet looked up and said and prayed show this his helper, his right arm, show them, show him who we are. And he looked up and he saw they were more of us than them. We are on the winning side with Jesus. So Paul picks up at verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Let's read it again. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy. What do you mean The something Sufferings are everywhere. Suffering is in the world. Suffering has always been. Because the devil has entered into this world and has had freedom, has had permission. The scripture says that he's been given dominion to roam about. So there's suffering because he is a, he is that is what he does. That's his business. But we have one who has also suffered. We have one that has suffered in our place. We have one who has taken up our sins, and they became his own, so that we could be free. Amen. The one who gave his whole life is Jesus. And therefore, we can have hope, and therefore, we can fight the battle with his help. You know, as hard as I try, as Paul said it in chapter 7, as hard as I try, I know what I'm doing, verse 15, chapter 7. I know, I, I don't understand, for I'm not practicing what I'd like to do. What is he saying? I'm not there yet. I'm not who I want to be yet. And this battlefield is going on. The world has fallen. Jesus said, each day has enough trouble. So I spoke a little bit on that Wednesday night, just a little bit. From Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. Every day, to, you don't have to look for trouble, do you? Trouble happens. Trouble comes. In this life, you will have trouble. But Jesus said, I have overcome and he has overcome, therefore we can overcome. Because he has overcome death, because he has overcome sin, because he has conquered the grave, therefore we have also the hope that we can look toward. Number one, the hope in the Lord. Our first point. Verse 18, we read it. There is no comparison I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is... How can you compare this for us? People that have had experiences, out-of-the-body experiences, those who have testified didn't want to come back. Everyone that I've heard that's had a glimpse of heaven didn't want to come back to this. Because it was so wonderful, indescribable. Even Paul himself mentioned that he was caught up in the third heaven, right? That's where God is. And he heard words that were inexpressible. They could not repeat, that he didn't have he never heard before. He's seen things that he never heard before. This is the glory, yet to be revealed. And so when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Chapter four of the Second Book of Corinthians. He says it this way: momentary. This life is what momentary, temporary, short in comparison. For to you know, compared to eternity, it's forever, forever. You can't measure. How can you measure eternity? Someone said, if you take a bird. Start up on the west coast, say, pick a piece of sand, go to the east coast, and do that until you have all the sand moved. That's unfathomable. It's, it's unbelievable. It's mind-boggling forever. Momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comfort. In other words, Paul said, there will be suffering if you take a stand for Jesus. Jesus said to himself, if anyone wants to follow me, take up your cross. There is a degree of suffering that we link ourselves to. If we're going to know Jesus, there's going to be a degree of suffering. Because Jesus suffered. But it will be worth it all. But so whatever the suffering may be, I'm still going to hang on to the Lord. So what's going to get me through the suffering? It's going to be know that Jesus understands my suffering. Jesus understands my temptation. Jesus understands my weakness. Jesus knows what it's like to live in the world that is fallen. Jesus knew what it was like to be led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And then the devil shows up. Isn't it interesting how the devil fights? He waits until Jesus is hungry. Forty days went by. Now he shows up. Right? Isn't it, isn't it always kind of like when people are down, that's when he wants to attack. He will attack people that are, that are hurting. Then you're, when you're weak, weak point of your uh, suffering, oftentimes that's when we need the church of Jesus Christ to pray, and that's when we need people, the body of Christ, to stand together and unite together, and pray through and encourage on. Example of our Lord in Hebrews 12, 3 says, For consider him him who has endured such hostility by sinners. Consider who? Consider Jesus. What do you mean? Well, they spat on him. That was just, you know, that was just part of it. They ridiculed, they, they mocked him, they finally crucified him. The religious community, as so-called leaders, were outraged that he was doing things that were supernatural. And all along, they could not see he was God. They couldn't see. They crucified him because... He was coming against their so-called religion, their tradition, or their, their law. And it's it really can get ugly. That spirit, there's a spirit of Antichrist in the world right now. There's a spirit of opposition to what Jesus declares he is. The spirit of Antichrist. Why, is, why, are, why are so many people so uncomfortable with the name of Jesus? Right? Kind of like, ooh. Because Jesus is the king of kings. And Jesus, you can't meet Jesus and not be somewhat impacted. You can't look on him and see what he's done for you without some kind of impact. Now you have a choice. We have a choice. To acknowledge his suffering, acknowledge his sacrifice, acknowledge that he is the king of kings. And when we do that and we take our mind off ourselves, then we are becoming surrendered. We become... Clay as, as Jeremiah called, clay moldable, teachable, wants to make us into something that's beyond us. Oftentimes, suffering is one of the ways he gets our attention to look up. I don't like suffering. I don't like it. I don't like the pain. I don't like the pressure. I don't like the loss sometimes. But God is in control. In this verse that we read in verse 18, I like to say it this way, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will be worth it all. No matter what you suffer, it's going to be just, just a blimp, just a flash. And Here's a good verse for you to memorize. I know I've kind of camped on this verse a lot in the last several years. Deuteronomy 29, 29. How many know it? Probably probably need to remind you again what it says. The secret things belong to God, right? The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our sons forever that we may observe all the words of this Lord. What is he saying? There are some things we'll never know in this world. There are some things we can never understand or get an answer The secret things belong to our God. The things he had revealed to us, what has he revealed to us? He's revealed to us his son. He's revealed to us his truth. He's revealed to us that he is coming back to us. He's revealed to us that the church, the people of God, become united. And when we become united, we become a force. And when we become a force, we put the enemy to flight in the name of Jesus. And you therefore now have a purpose in your living and your dwelling and your coming and your going. That you would never have otherwise because your hope is in the Lord. Your hope is in that he's coming back like he said he was going to come back. And so if, he, if the disciples didn't know, if they, if, if they just believed the story that his body was stolen, why would they allow themselves to be martyred? Why were they so convinced? Because they saw Jesus got his resurrection. They saw Jesus, and Jesus came into their room, and Jesus touched them, allowed them to touch them. Even doubting Thomas was convinced. He was a little, not too sure, but he seen Jesus. You know what? Every one of us may go through times of doubt in our faith. Every one of us may have times where we feel Hmm, I'm struggling with this. Why did this happen? Why, God? Why? And that question will drive you crazy if you let it. The secret things belong to God. So, in essence, all I can do is say, I'm hanging on to you, even though I don't understand it all, even though I I don't have the answers, even though it's just seemingly nothing's changing. we go from depending on the Lord and having yet a hope, even second point, even though we can't see it yet, we still have hope. Verse, verse 25. Look at that verse with me. But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait Eagerly for it. In other words, is hope really hope if we already see it? Hebrews describes faith as assurance of things what? Hope for, right? The evidence of things not seen. So let's think just. Think out of the box. What's the next five years? What's the next ten years? I don't even like to think that far ahead, but I know that that, that, that can go by just like that. What do we want to be doing? What, where do you want to be out in your faith? What, what is it that you want to be pursuing? What do you want your life to look like? I would say most of us would want to want to have stronger faith, want to be more understanding of scripture of truth, having maturity in this life, hope in what we do not see. Hope in someone. I can't see God. I can't. I I have never seen God. In a vision. I've never seen heaven. Some people maybe have. But yet I see him in the words of his his wonderful letter that he's written to us, all scriptures inspired. I see his hand. I see his, his, his shadow in the Old Testament. I see him in the New Testament. And we see him someday to come back. So why do I need to keep pursuing him? because he is truthful, and he will take me to a good place. And I will never, never want anything else after being in heaven with him. So this next verse, 26 in the text, the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for I'm going to just give you a little picture. When I was in Palisade, and the parsonage had an old uh, coal burner at the time, which you could burn wood as well. We were having a game night with Pastor Beecham from Aiken Saturday night, and the temperature kept going down in the house. I think, I go over and I turn up the thermostat. Still felt chilled. And then I go, uh oh. I bet you we're out of propane. It's about fifteen below zero on a Saturday night. I bet you we're out of propane. Sure enough, go out and check zero. You know, on a Saturday night, you, you have chances of get any help, trying zero to none. So I my my survival instinct kicked in. And I found a few pieces of wood. They're really dry. They've been in the basement for quite a while. So I take this flashlight, and this thing is looking dilapidated. It has a shroud. It's kind of falling down. It's kind of close to the rafters above the floor joists. And I'm checking it out, and the dust is laying over there. And I'm checking it out. I'm checking it out. I'm going to fire this thing up. So I got my good stuff, you know just bellowing heat out just oh we're we're fine let's go to bed very good jerry he goes i think i smell smoke ah. <laughs> just go to sleep so after a while i think i smell smoke all right throw the door open smoke is coming up the stairway I'm so I'm down there, and oh man, it is moldering across that dusty old whatever was laid, that asbestos paper, and then dust. I yank it off, and flames come out. Flame, it's flaming, it's flaming onto the uh, floor joists. And I'm down there stomping and <coughs> throwing the windows open and stomping and carrying, hey you having a seizure or what? Yeah. You know. Don't worry! See, I didn't want to admit, I didn't want to admit that she smelled smoke. You know what was funny? You know what was really funny the next day? My dear old, the dear old saint, Olga, she played the piano, been there for a long time. You should have left her burned. They said, you should have left the bird. Which, well, a, the party had had a fire once before, and then they added it, and they covered that up, and you know, when it was it's just kind of pieced together, as they, they made it up as they went along, and life has a way of catching us off guard. We get into troubles. We find ourselves in a loop. And the groaning part, here comes a man. I got a hold of a man. That was the fabricator. He was the fabricator in the community. He had a welding shop. He had the look. He had that cap, you know, that skull cap. And I got him over to the base, and I wanted him to check it out. I wanted him to be the, you know, give me the final stamp on this thing. He goes, That's all he did. He didn't say any word. He just went, And you know what that meant to me was, it's no hope. It's crazy. But he went ahead and made me up a new uh, piece for the, t- make it better, make it more safe, and welded something together. and uh, You know, we went with it. We went with it. We burnt wood one winter after the other. That groaning. There may be times in your life when you don't know how to pray. You don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit, let him just groan. Just groan. Just pour your heart out. Just let the Lord touch you. Let him pray through you. The scripture says that he prays through us. Searches the heart, knows with the mind, because he intercedes for the saints according. You know the Holy Spirit is in complete unity with Jesus and Father, they're triune. They're, they're, they can't separate. They're, they're, they're individual, but they're triune. They're so together. One, can't, one builds on the other. One, 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 you can't separate them. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. right? And said, now I, it's to your advantage I go away. The Holy Spirit will, won't come until I go away. Then he comes back. The Holy Spirit now has been left. For you and I, as we are believing now today, we become, we become spirit-filled, and then there's more if you want it. More of the Spirit. You can get more of the Spirit of God. Book of Acts describes that. There's a baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's, that's another empowering part to go out and evangelize and be used by God. And see, what, what really, when I read the Book of Acts, I read this. They waited till the Holy Spirit came. And then, as they went out and ministered, they got beat up a few times. But it didn't bother them. In fact, it made them all the more anxious to go out and preach. You know what? I had a pastor friend in Palisade. He encouraged me. What's happening at the church? Well, we got a few problems. He said, Good. If there were some things wrong, you wouldn't be doing any good. If you, were, if you didn't have some problems, you wouldn't be making a dent into Satan's territory. How about that one? Curried you off. Life is full of problems. Life isn't really life, as we know it. Without problems, without setbacks, without suffering. But our hope is in what we even do not see. Even when we can't gather the words, even when we don't know how to pray, even though when we feel maybe just plain sad, maybe when we feel just down. But the psalmist said this way, 139 verse 2, thou dost understand my thoughts from afar. When my wife can't understand me, Jesus does. Hallelujah. He knows my thoughts. When I can't get the words even to express, I don't even know myself what I'm feeling for sure. He knows my thoughts. And he's living to intercede for us later in the chapter. It's Proverbs thirteen, verse twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's a classic, isn't it? Hope deferred. In other words, you had your hope set up on something, you had your hope set up on a a new uh, a new a new whatever. Fill in the blank, a new a new a new cement mixer, a new um Mostly you don't need cement mixers, a new toaster, a new car, a new motor, you know, you you had your new rifle. Something happened. I hope the fur makes the heart sick. You just get bogged down, you get torn up, you get, why? You go remote around a little, you know, you just, okay, wait a minute, what's really most important? According to these verses, the mind of Christ, being able to keep the faith, being able to roll with it, we're good. Things are good. It'll work out. You know, God has a way of working things out. doesn't he? Look at the verse 28. This is a classic verse. A lot of us love this verse. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who call according to his purpose. My part is to love God, period. Love God. His part is to work things out. His part is that he will guide us. He will take us where we want to go, where he wants us to go. His purpose, not our our will, but his will. When Jesus was in the Gethsemane agonizing over the crucifixion and the death, and I think it was more than the cross. I, I, don't, you know, I don't think we quite fully understand that whole picture. I don't think Jesus was agonizing just over the physical thing, but he was agonizing over the weight of the sin of the world that was going to come upon. him. is a deep thing. The deep thing. He couldn't even, he, you know, he just agonized. And wow come on Peter you, you can't wait for me an hour come on a church spirit is willing but the flesh is weak isn't it? spirit is willing so my purpose is to surrender love God surrender love god hang on to him even though I don't see it it don't make sense even when I can't, yeah. Even when even when, Job's friends, remember, had all the advice. Remember, even when they Job's old, you know, I mean, he's just doing, he's doing life the best he knows how. He's praying, he's doing the sacrifice, he's doing the things that God's calling him to do, and he's, Satan comes along and messes him. God is testing him. And then he has these friends, and so-called friends, that oh, you, 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 you got, you got something going on. You, you got a hidden sin. You, I, I don't like what people say you, you know, you, you got sin in your life. You, you're sick because you've got sin. I don't, I don't buy it. You, you know. Listen, we are, oftentimes, receive the rain. Of this life falls on the just as well as the unjust. Life happens. And I don't I don't want to try to say I, I, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. No one does, but God knows the secret things. And what he's saying is, you gotta trust me on. You've got to trust me, because the world will fail you. People will walk away from you. People will be, will 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 sometimes say the, say things we we really. We really see wow, they don't understand. But hope is brings us to this purpose. And this last point is, it's his purpose. So in other words, it's not about what I I think. It's about what he thinks. It's not about even what I can understand. It's about who He is. It's not about me having the answers for everyone. It's me knowing how to get people to Jesus. It's me knowing how to. I I I would be encouraged. I was so encouraged one time. I heard a sermon. It was in a in a, in a college time and and I think it was with a missionary, but something like that. They didn't have the answers, but they knew, the, they knew where the path was to get to the, to the Lord. They knew the pathway to go to Jesus. And, the, and the, the church needs to understand that we're not the Savior. The church is not the Savior. Jesus is the head of the church. He's the Savior. And when the church unites and we look to Jesus, and when we encourage each other in the things of God, Sometimes, we just need to say, you know what? Admit, I don't have an answer. And not try to play God, but he knows. And someday, it'll be worth it all. And I've said, someday, we're going to find out. And someday, he's going to explain. Someday we're going to see the big picture. Someday we're going to see the whole thing. in Every angle. And so, when Joseph was thrown in in a pit by his brothers who were angry and jealous, and Joseph was sold into slavery to the Egyptians, he had no clue that God was going to take that Suffering. And turn it around to be the salvation of his family. Joseph, somewhere along the line, figured out what his part was. And his part was to stay faithful. Even in prison when he was abandoned, lied to, basically left. It didn't look good. There was no... If you say, hmm, can you, Put in a good word for me when you get out of here, you know, Mr. So and so, and forgot all about him. It's like he locked him up and threw away the key. But God was preparing him. Everything and everywhere he went, God blessed him because he stayed faithful. He said, The Joseph, the spirit of Joseph needs to be in you and I as well, that we could say, even when it doesn't look good, the world doesn't look good. The future in the world without God is really hopeless. But with God, there's hope. But God has a plan. God's going to make us what he wants us to be if we will put our faith in him. And so our part is to basically surrender. Even though we don't understand, guys can come back and help me. Even when we can't believe that it's the way it is. We get caught in the traps of thinking, I've deserved this. You know, what have I done? You know, we get caught up in sometimes in those things. We just need to simply let's switch mics.